0: where the phone never stops ringing. Cold calls and spam emails seem to pour in endlessly. And there is always someone that wants to buy you lunch for the chance to make you a client. This is where real salespeople pitch solutions to real problems while we snap out the BS. Welcome to the Oil & Gas Pitch Podcast with your host, Warren Spivak.
1: So we're live. Welcome to the Oil & Gas Pitch Podcast. Today is really cool. I have Brian Lyle from Spock Automation. This is actually the second time I brought them on because as I learned more about DriveShield and I learned more about what they're doing in the industry, I knew that this needed a focus. So, Brian, welcome to the show.
0: Thanks, Warren. Thanks for having me.
1: So just real quick for the audience, talk about your role there at at Spock Automation and just a little bit about what we're gonna get into.
0: Sure, no problem. Been with Spock now, going on 11 years national sales manager now, got quite a bit of history in the automation industry, started on the commercial side, moved to the oil field side quite a while. So you and I had some pre-conversations. So today we're gonna kind of talk about how the different companies inside Spock Automation, you you visit with Spock Grid and we're gonna talk about Spock Automation today and then Spock SCADA.
1: And then you promised me we're gonna talk about money. We're gonna talk about production. We're (laughs) gonna talk a little bit about ESG. So everyone walks away knowing how this affects the positive effect on carbon footprint and even some, gonna learn a few things about scope one, scope two.
0: Right, we're gonna give a little color to those terms and how the different companies fit in those realms and some challenges that production companies and midstream companies are facing today.
1: Well, awesome, I'm ready to kick it off. (laughs) I want you guys to know that I also have heard this about this thing called DriveShield. For those of you that are gonna be tuning in and listening, I want you to know we're going to be talking about staying up and running more than ever and keeping it easy. We're going to dive into Drive Shield. That's probably a key part of what I'm excited about talking to you about. So, then beyond Drive Shield, your motto. What is the Spock motto?
0: We're going to focus a little bit on our lift up culture, how to produce more and spend less, and wrap it all up by talking about how to always keep you running.
1: Always keep you running. All right, let's kick it off. Interesting, you know, when we had Dr. Ben on the show and Ted, you know, we really got into really like generators, the power of keeping people up and running. And today is a kind of interesting thing because we're going to dive into what you do in terms of protecting these operators and folks in the midstream to keep them up and running and and not allowing, let's say, a lightning strike to really cause a major production curve.
0: Right, right. You know, we, we were talking before. There's Several so scenarios that we run into uh, on a semi-regular basis, you could have a, a producer's got you know, 2,000-barrel-a-day well that goes down due to a high windstorm, or, mm-hmm. or you've got a, a midstream company that loses their disposal well or the ability to operate it because they had a lightning strike, hit a, hit a transformer on site. So there's things that we can assist with and and help with some of the stuff we do on Spock Automation.
1: That's great. Well, something I I just for a moment would love to kind of get into your history. How long have you been with Spock and your role? Like what kind of companies are you working with day in, day out?
0: Great. Yeah. I've been with Spock now going on 11 years. Came out of the uh, commercial automation industry. Uh, Still wrapped around using microprocessor-based controls and things of that nature and VFDs. And then I moved over to Spock Automation in the oil and gas industry, actually started for them on the West Coast and then relocated to Texas and been in Texas the last eight or nine years. So we probably focus on the upstream and midstream portion of the oil and gas industry. So production companies, water midstream companies, compression companies, all that fall in that same space.
1: Terrific. And something before we kick this off, I want to ask you, who should be really paying attention today? Like who are usually the, the buyers for you that when you're sitting down, is it the CFO, CEO, wh- what part of the executive leadership team really interact with you and what you do at Spock.
0: It kind of runs the gamut. It depends on the size of the operator or or the midstream company. As you know, in today's times, they all kind of wear multiple hats. So it it goes across the the C-suite down to the engineering staff and and even out in the field staff. So we kind of cover the gamut.
1: Nice. Well, with that, we're going to kick this thing off. We're going to get to this presentation, sharing what Spock Automation, on this side of the fence, what you are (laughs) doing and how it makes an impact.
0: Great. Our team at Spock Automation focuses on reducing electrical consumption or energy consumption. And when you look at operators or midstreams, energy consumption is one of the largest line items that they have. And we're in that portion of business to help them reduce that piece. We focus primarily on pumps and compressors, things of that realm. And we do that through the digitalization of to, to control the equipment as efficiently as possible.
1: And there's a major ESG component to what you guys are doing. Like all of this stuff affects the ESG goals for the oil and gas industry.
0: Right, and Spock Automation plays in the ESG Scope 2 realm, which is is focused on reducing electrical consumption. Mm-hmm. So here at Spock on the Spock Automation team, we're focused on using inverter technology to help them reduce that electrical savings. twenty typically in the 20% range.
1: Okay, so in addition to just talking about carbon footprint, what is, from an ESG standpoint, some of the strategies that get unlocked by starting this relationship?
0: You know, as, as you mentioned, the industry has been talking about and focused on ESG for a couple of years now. And let's be honest, if you've got a good ESG strategy, you're, you're typically have access to better capital, mean you're rewarded with higher stock evaluations. It allows outside folks of the industry, i.e. investors, to be able to look at and see how you're managing your risk and sustainability.
1: Mm -hmm. So that's the thing is, you know, in our pre-call and what we talked about, this even gets into downtime, right? If you have a down horse, you're not producing and it's usually caused by one of a few things. This dives into that. It's more than just about the financial savings. It's about production.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You've got three main reasons you're putting inverter technologies on a piece of equipment. First and foremost is, is to optimize it, right? And then the next big component of that is to minimize that downtime mm-hmm. to keep that equipment up and running longer. The goal is to have it run 24 mm-hmm. um, seven. And then the third component is the electrical savings piece of it, like we mentioned.
1: Nice, well, let's get into the money a little bit.
0: We put together a couple of graphics here to kind of represent. We looked at the last couple of years of information. And if when you look at this, and you're using inverter technologies, you're saving estimated annual savings on energy costs across the board for us was was in the four hundred million dollar range. Mm. We looked yeah, at it last incredible. Right, we looked at it last year. That number is actually a little low. It was actually a little bit over five hundred million when when you start applying that. And then
1: I mean, this is like an Austin Powers uh, soundbite, <laughs> right? Four hundred million dollars just by making the right decision.
0: Right. Right. And to drive that point a little farther home is if, if you take that estimated energy savings and, and you you apply that to reduce enough CO2 metric tons, the second graphic represents that where you, when you take that savings and you flip it over based on the U.S. government's average pool of uh, CO2 generation and you have that savings, you get quite a bit of reduction per kilowatt hour that you reduce.
1: Incredible. And then Something that for a listener that right now is going, what are they talking about? What could happen to what item on, you know, out at the edge, if you will? What examples can you give? I I say lightning strike, but there's a whole lot that goes behind something going wrong out in the field.
0: Right. And you're absolutely right. If you spend any time in the well field, you know, if it can't happen, it it will happen. Mm -hmm. You've got to build in redundancy. You know, we, we talked about lightning a little bit, but it doesn't even have to be lightning. It could be a high wind storm. It, it could be something that not even on your location. It's down downfield. Somebody has some kind of incident, and it causes voltage anomalies or things to go on in the power quality coming to your equipment.
1: Cool. All right. Scope one, scope two. For people that don't know, because I didn't know even just getting into. Th- being part of the network a lot about some of these terms, but scope one, scope two, this is really about carbon footprint and really finding what the true effect is of different items. And I'll just give everyone an example. And this is, you can correct me because I know I'm halfway wrong, (laughs) but like Tesla, right? These people driving around their Tesla cars feel like that their absence of using gas is making a positive impact. But the people that are like identifying scope one, scope two, I don't know if there's a scope three, Depending on what scope it is, you're now looking into what is the cost to the carbon footprint by manufacturing the Tesla? And suddenly, right. the gasoline right. driver feels like he's superior to the Tesla driver. Right.
0: That's always going to be the endless debate. And you're right. There is a scope one, a scope two, and a scope three. SASB is one of the largest organizations that builds a, an accountability scorecard, if you mm-hmm. would, to allow folks outside of the industry to compare one company to another. And when you start looking at that, it allows those investors and and, and folks to to look at it and see how our industry's activity is is categorized in those different. Do you different mind just buckets. walking
1: can through the difference between Scope One and Scope Two?
0: Sure, I, I can speak to Scope One and Scope Two. Uh, I'm not on the Scope Three side, so <laughs> okay. I'm going to fall in that same camp. I'm not an expert there. <laughs> As you mentioned, Scope One, when you talk to spot grid, that's clearly where they fall into is is in that power generation Mm. portion of it how do you get your power where does it come from and how do you get it to the power consuming equipment Mm. and that's basically when you scoop over to the scope two is the power consuming equipment and that's where the spock automation stuff applies is in the scope two under the consumption portion
1: and this is where your performance the ability for someone to as we get now we're going to get into like really the good stuff but this relationship with spock it now means that when a piece of equipment goes down, and I, I know you'll explain this to me, right. but now suddenly there's more agility in getting back up and running. And then there's a warranty involved. There's lots of savings that could be made, not just in what you're going to make up by actually being back on your feet again, but also in the expense of trying to find talent that could actually right. repair the item.
0: Right. Right, I've got a great question, Warren. I've got a whole slide on that, okay. but I, I think we we might need to back up a little bit. Okay. We've talked about the different spot companies. I think if I give some color to that, that'll understand how we're covering that umbrella of uh, the different scopes of ESG and and where the different companies fall into. Uh, yeah, please. So, like you mentioned, you spoke with our team at the spot grid side. They focus on maximizing power generation through hybridization. And really, you can think of it as creating an efficient bridge between the the power generation equipment Mm -hmm. to the power consumption equipment. And then that falls clearly in that scope one that we're talking about. Then we have Spock automation that we've been talking about that focuses on the electrical consumption side. How do you reduce that electrical consumption side? Then you've got Spock SCADA that kind of sets as an umbrella across both of them. It does data acquisition, historical data acquisition, actual live equipment monitoring Mm -hmm. and control over the Spock automation equipment, the Spock grid equipment, and then third-party equipment.
1: Nice. Yeah, that's that's a lot. And that's the thing. You know, once I got in, you know, I got a chance to have the grid team here. Mm -hmm. I was like, there is so much to unpack here and the impact that you guys have, the importance for people leading these companies to kind of know that this exists, I think is critical. So this next part is really, ex- obviously, I'm excited to get to it, but it's really just about the agility and the follow through that you guys bring to the table.
0: Right. And that's key. When, when we were talking about before the, the type of folks we talk to at uh, upstream or midstream company, it gives them a peace of mind that they know they can cover both those pieces. Not necessarily have to go to separate resources and then try to get them to play well together and do the coordination when you get in there and you talk about how do we connect the power generation with the consumption we've got that covered and then when you get on the consumption side we also can tie in that piece and then oh by the way we can watch all of it so now you've got that the palm of your hand and it becomes really powerful
1: you guys truly are a partner to these companies and it's interesting to acknowledge that because of the fact that so often, everyone has everything so compartmentalized mm-hmm. that this seamless environment that Spock brings to the table it's I would compare it to me having one password for everywhere and <laughs> everything I need to do. It's that simplicity and that ability to just phone a friend, if you will, to get absolutely not absolutely. just one compartment taken care of, but we're talking about several aspects.
0: right, right. so we talked a little bit you know some of the the, the cost impact and all that, so that's kind of where we wanted to to get into talking about drive shield our extended warranty product. But, you know, before we do that, what we've noticed in, in talking with our customers, when they're, when they're talking about putting in high technology solutions to manage some of the sustainability, that the challenge they face is how do they address the reliability portion of that? Mm. When we're visiting with our customers and, and they're talking about putting in sustainability solutions, challenge they face is, is when you're implementing high technology solutions is how do, how do you maintain the reliability? How do you ensure that reliability?
1: and doesn't some of that even i mean on the reliability side you have to have the right people that know the right things and these locations could be anywhere how do you get them there in record time
0: right and that's a valid question in our industry we don't demand 150 year life on our equipment mm-hmm. now but at the same time an end user may experience unacceptable life expectancy and we can sit here and tell you our equipment's reliable because we've been doing it for 20 years but The life expectancy of a semiconductor device is quite different than something made out of copper, a bus bar, if you would. Mm -hmm. And that's where we introduced DriveShield to address that through our extended warranty program, covering that reliability, and also tying in lightning like we've been talking about, because lightning is a serious issue in oil and gas industry. So
1: can you just walk me through like an example? Let's pretend, you know, we're (laughs) out in some remote place. There's this piece of equipment, you call them, what's the name of them? VFDs. The v, So the VFDs, uh, which stands for?
0: Variable frequency drive, also known as variable speed drives, all the same thing, inverters. So it's the
1: brains, right? It's the brains of, of what's... It's the
0: heart of the system, right. It's perfect. the heart of the system.
1: So lightning strikes, it's down. So what, you know, give me kind of just an example of life before having like a warranty in place like drive shield versus you know, somebody opening this door and having a relationship with you.
0: Right. So we talk about those scenarios. We've talked about a a production well that does 2,000 barrels a day and you've got that high windstorm and it comes in and takes out that a piece of equipment. The thing to realize is you're completely down, no revenue generation on that. So start a service call request. Can I get a new piece of equipment? Can I get it repaired? How do I handle all that? So we take that portion out of it. It's it's one phone call. You've got the Drive Shield extended warranty program. We're sending our technicians on site to do the repair or replace the unit. All that's covered and you're making one phone call.
1: So that's good. I just think drive shield is really great. And it's interesting because I feel like all of my experience over the last couple of years talking to operators, talking to midstream companies, production and and especially during the time where you had kind of the downturn, you know, like right. it's, it's still a real thing everything matters. Every line item matters and production is critical.
0: Right. And that's one of the things that prompted us to dig into this. When we look back and said, okay, hey, what's the largest issue that our customers are facing or, or where is the opportunity? And, and if you look at non, the single largest non-warranty item, we can't control lightning. Mm-hmm. Nobody can control lightning. We can't build a lightning-proof product that just doesn't exist. And you can put all mm-hmm. that in there. And that's when we came up with DriveShield Wait a minute, how do we take it to the next step to help our customers?
1: Okay, this is going to sound so, such like a consumer question. It just relates to my experience buying car warranties. So <laughs> I'm, I'm asking for everyone don't, to Don't forgive throw me. us in that camp. Okay. Don't throw us here's, in that camp. Here's the, here's the D word when it comes to warranties, deductible. Is there a deductible? Is someone listening going to go like, oh, I'm going to learn more about this and find out there's a $50,000 cost to just being able to make a claim? And have them come out
0: great question and, and and i've gotten it several times the answer is no there it's a one-time yeah. upterm purchase and you're covered for the life of that equipment even if you move it from spot a to spot b we didn't want to make this complex we, that is we incredible. wanted to make it usable and typically when spock does something it's for the benefit of our of our end users so that was really the intent and
1: all right well they're here they're hearing it no deductible <laughs> when you do this through drive shield great great All right, well then, I love this. I think I'm ready for what's next.
0: Well, yeah, we talked about some of those scenarios and we we talked about the production well. And and if you think about a a midstream operation that has a lightning strike and hits a power pole on location and takes down their 60,000 barrel a day well, now they can't inject. They've got contracts they've got to meet. So their next solution is, can I truck this water out of here? That's really expensive to do if you can get trucks to transport right now. So when you step in and you're looking at the service costs that we're talking about, if you've been in the oil field any length of time, we've all experienced this. You've got the the wrong parts in the right place or the right people in the wrong place and when you've got that piece of of critical equipment down, naturally you're going to try to expedite and pull all the stops out to get it fixed.
1: For sure. On that note, what do you see like from a standpoint of your responsiveness and your ability to kind of align the forces. When
0: we get those calls, we're always set up, they get moved to the front of the line. Mm -hmm. We've built our engineering, our support, all mechanism around to keep our customers up and running, building expedite lines and things of that nature. Because when you're looking at service costs, the first initial cost you think of is that total repair cost. And a major service call, on average could cost in the range of fifty percent to eighty percent of that new unit.
1: Okay, let's talk dollars though. What I mean fifty grand, sixty grand? What what is it? It
0: could be all over the place. Okay. It it, it could be a substantial impact depending on if you're talking about a a large pump to a large compressor mm-hmm. or what portions of those equipment you're talking about. It's really kind of hard to put a dollar on it it's 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 horsepower dependent that's kind of why we wrap it up in the percentage so you have an idea if you, if you spend 100 grand on a piece of equipment 50 to 80 percent of that cost it's pretty ma- pretty good math you know yeah, fifty thousand to, to eighty thousand to on that repair cost incredible and those are all valid costs to take in, into account you're, you're looking at labor material transportation but one large cost that sometimes gets overlooked is the opportunity cost of that mm-hmm. lost production and in that loss injection time.
1: Okay, and for me, like when I think of replacing parts and I know that geographically there's challenges. We all hear it about supply chain and what's going on there. Can you talk a little bit about transportation and supply chain and how that might actually like what do you guys have in place on that side?
0: Right, and great great question. Like we've all seen in the news or experienced at our local grocery store, you know, current market conditions have really put a strain on the global supply chain, you could run the risk of not be able to get the equipment when you need it. You're forced to be able to get into the repair portion of it as, as your only option. Mm. So we've established an inventory base. We have remote warehouse locations. A lot of our partners and OEM stock product to kind of address that. That gives you that added layer of protection to be able to get what you need when you need it.
1: Right. So anyone who's listening going like, yeah, you know, if, if something goes down, if the warranty's replacing something, that could still take time. What you're saying, if I'm hearing you correctly, is if it's a capacitor or if it's whatever the piece of equipment that puts them back into operation, you guys will go do that. You have the professionals that know how to install it. Any of your clients do not need outside labor to complete the repair.
0: Correct. Part of the added benefit if you get a drive shield is the labor portion is covered as well. Some manufacturers have extended warranty, but Labor is strictly excluded mm-hmm. from that. That's on you to figure out as the end user. That's not how we've set up DriveShield. It covers both the labor and the material that's in our actual package.
1: So now that we have money out of the way, I'm I'm excited to get into the performance of DriveShield and let's kind of dive into the bells and whistles.
0: Yeah, we, we can definitely get into the the nuts and bolts of it. So. We've laid it out to keep it simple in, in three separate distinct timelines. You can get a three-year extended coverage, a six-year extended coverage, and a 10-year extended coverage. That's all on top of our standard two-year warranty. So these are bolt-on services or coverage that you can get. And as you add those on, different things are included depending on the timeline that you go out. Across all packages, like we mentioned before, that's covered in there is delay portion, lightning protection, any of those voltage anomalies, that's across all timelines. Mm. That never changes. You start layering in different features when you move up to year six. When you get into year six, if we've got it in stock, it's one-day shipping. Whereas year three, if you do the three-year package, if it's in stock, it's two-day shipping. Again, all at our cost, Mm -hmm. shipping to you, the end user. You, You never have to worry about incurring any more lease operating expenses or LOE expenses on that piece of equipment if you've got drive shield. Incredible. Yeah, and then when you move it out to 10 years, it kind of gets even more interesting because we mentioned Spock skater. So when you go out to 10 years, we'll include a Spock skater modem and we'll watch it and monitor the health of that equipment during that 10-year period. And also at year six, we'll come out and do a full inspection and maintenance of that piece of equipment to ensure that there's nothing we haven't seen yet or something you haven't noticed, kind of preventing that unplanned failure. We can do it in a planned mannerism. So, it's under a controlled environment. You can be doing maintenance on your other equipment.
1: Okay. Now, for me, I'm looking at this. I have to ask when you find out what equipment already exists within a company, is there certain, is the tenure always an option for everybody? Or is there some kind of pre qualifying information that would allow you to know if this piece of equipment is potentially could have this tenure? Warranty.
0: Good question. So it's not uncommon for one production company to sell a facility to another or midstream. So that drive shield stays with that actual hardware. We keep track of all the serial numbers, all the hardware that's in there and, and tie that together so we know that, that particular unit has drive shield. So if we have a new customer that's bought somebody else's old assets, it stays with it. It's not transferable to their owner. It stays with the equipment.
1: And the age of the asset uh, going into the contract doesn't limit them from making a choice between these three options.
0: Obviously, it's always easier to kind of do it up front. Mm-hmm. And then you have like a 12-month window after a new purchase to add it. Beyond that time, we can still add it. What we traditionally do is go out and do an inspection of the piece of equipment to ensure it's in working order. There's not in anything that's unexpected. And they can build some custom extended warranty programs around that. Oh, Cause that's it, cool. it, it's not uncommon. You, you come to a site water midstream. They buy somebody else's facility and that equipment's been out there for three or four years. They're using drive shield in another location, like the power, like the benefit of it. And they come to us and say, Hey, can we do it here? Yeah. Yes. Let's get some basic information. Let's go out and take a look at the equipment and ride and essentially ride a custom drive shield lo- program. For I them.
1: love that. It's like the health of the equipment is a factor and mm-hmm. you guys will actually do the inspection. So someone listening who's going, I'd love to do this, but I wonder if this five-year-old right. jalopy that I have can qualify. <laughs> you guys will verify its health and then agree to the terms that you customize. I I like to call it, we build Cadillacs.
0: You may (laughs) need a tune-up, but it's never a jalopy. Yeah.
1: Okay. Okay. (laughs) This is a clarifying thing then for anyone who's listening. So all of this equipment is from Spock or it can actually be equipment that's not from Spock?
0: It's solely Spock products. Okay. We're kind of the old adage, we're putting our money where our mouth is and we feel like we build top-notch equipment best in the industry. So if we're going to warranty or guarantee something let's do the stuff that we know all the engineering and the quality control and, and and all that's put into that product which it's built to last and this is just another added layer of, of that confidence to the market uh, to help our end users
1: confidence is really the key term there because this is your equipment you guys know what it takes to get it back up and running And this commitment that you guys are making is basically (laughs) to say, hey, you're going to have every bullet point on this graph if you decide to go into DriveShield.
0: And I've had users look at me like, really, 10 years? You're going to warranty your equipment? And said, who else would I bet on besides ourselves? (laughs) We've done it. We've built it right. We've put the 20 years of history in to do this right and know the applications that they're going into.
1: Okay, so here's a question I have for you regarding your prospects, right? You're in these sales meetings, you have companies that are buying Spock products Mm -hmm. and leveraging all of the different components of what you do. What are some of the misconceptions that frustrate you when you're sitting there, you know, across from a decision maker and they have these things that they think that you're able as a, you know, where you sit to say, no, you're actually, that's a misconception. There's this option, the other or what?
0: You've got to work through the process. I think you've kind of brought up the example that even we did to our own leadership team when we first started talking about DriveShield is we've had extended warranty experiences in, in car dealerships and, you know, an a was tongue-in-cheek. That's reality. That's the mm-hmm. impression that sometimes folks have. And you talk them through examples. We, we introduce them to other customers that have used it and wear by it and get that one-on-one testimonials, this is works, This is there's, it's, it is what they're saying they mm. are. And, and, and honestly, the other part of it is we've worked with customers long enough to know, they know our reputation, how we take care of our folks and our customers that if we bring out something, you can take our word to the bank that we're gonna do it.
1: You know what I love about this interview is it's almost like if you're listening to this and you see the value here, the ROI, the mm-hmm. production component, the ESG component, you don't want your competitors to, you don't want to share the episode, right? <laughs> but if you're within the company, you're going, hey, I want my team to see this. Right. I want them to know it. And look, right. I want to dive into understanding this more mathematically. And then also from a, you know, it almost sounds to me like an easy button for people that have complicated equipment.
0: It's funny you mentioned that. It, some of our initial collateral, we actually have an easy button <laughs> as part of it to talk about that. That's our goal is to make this seamless. We do, We spend a lot of time on voice of the customer and R&D and, yep. and diving into this. We've been doing this for over 20 years. We're, no,
1: I love it. And I like the concept of, I use, I kind of jokingly said phone a friend, but really it is absolutely. just a matter of contacting you guys. Absolutely. And then everyone gets to go back to work.
0: And that's some days that's missing in the wheel field is be able to pick up that call and, and dialing for help, calling mm-hmm. that friend. I'm often for hear me to say to our, our, our customers, like, hey, if you can't figure out in 10 minutes, I want you on the phone with us sure. because we don't keep you up and running and keep you running. We're not providing you the value that you need. That is great. And and we're failing at that part. So we strive to make sure we hit on all cylinders. No, I love
1: it. I I mean, right now, I feel like just in this interview, I had misconceptions, right? (laughs) And I'm learning as you talk about it. A lot of people that, you know, our audience is a wide range of people. Some of them are prospects, but others are just talent that are going, what kind of companies are making an impact. What is the sustainability, not just in the oil and gas industry, but in the companies that are working to survive 2022 and
0: beyond? Absolutely. And you're 100% correct. The foundation of Spock Automation and why we're able to do this is we really build on our culture. We actually have a cultural program, Lift Up, where we, where we focus on lifting up the individual, mm-hmm. lifting up each other, lifting up our company, the industry, and then it carries on out, out to the world. That's something that we hold near and dear. And it's, that's the foundation of how we're able to do all this.
1: Man, you know, it's funny. I know we're going to get to your final slide here in a minute, but going back to culture, you know, when you as a consumer or somebody who's in some kind of an agreement for a product or service, when that team member that works for that company is having like a pissy day or like mm-hmm. in a bad mindset <laughs> it makes you hate the company that they work for and Absolutely. that you've decided to work with but when you have happy employees and the, the team is thriving and they have answers and there is resources to commit to you feel that whether you're getting a, a cup of coffee or whether right. you're buying a car or in this case taking on a very major liability by being in production
0: right we want our customers to understand we've been in their positions, So when they're calling with a technical question or, or send our service guy out, we understand we've been in those positions. We know the stress they're under, the lost revenue. We, we get that. So mm-hmm. we, we put all of our efforts into remedying that as fast and as efficient as we can.
1: So before we talk about how people can get in touch with you and, and what process is, let's go to your last slide. Yeah, And, and this is our chance to kind of really dive into Spock as a mm-hmm. whole.
0: You mentioned that you, you had some misconceptions, and, and that's not uncommon. That That's not a, a war, yeah, yeah. and I've never seen this before. <laughs> we get that quite a bit. And, Thank you. And, 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 I, and, I, and I mentioned we've been in this for 20 years. A lot of our customers are using Spock Automation. I may not know it. Go mm-hmm. through our OEM partners and everything. But we built this graphic to kind of give you an overall basis. An easy explanation is to say, if you've got a piece of rotating equipment, let's break mm-hmm. it down to that level, and it's got an electric motor on it, we've got discrete automation and a VFD solution to make that process more efficient. Mm. You know, to circle back to reducing those ESG scope 2 areas, every piece of equipment you can see on this screen, whether it be a rod pump, an ESP, an injection well, a compressor, that all encompasses into what Spock is as a core, trying to help our customers produce more efficiently while spending less. Mm.
1: And what I love about this slide is, you know, yeah, here at OGG and we have companies that submit information and we do a lot of due diligence to get somebody here like this you know and something about spock automation that meant a lot to us is we're so used to seeing like all like basically companies taking a wheel and putting a hundred spokes <laughs> in it and saying we do this that the other and we change tires right, right. what spock automation does and this graphic kind of proves it it just shows these verticals that are within our industry and how you guys have really been solution-focused and client-centric in the fact that Spock Automation will leverage all these different aspects of our industry.
0: Absolutely. We know where our core competency is. We stay in that lane. We've even had conversations with an user if they bring us an application and be, be totally transparent with them, understand what you needed to do, We don't have an adequate solution that can solve that. Mm. Most cases, we may know who to get them to, but at the end of the day, we want to take care of their problem. If I can't do it or Spot can't do it, we want to get them to the right folks.
1: Wow! Square
0: peg and round hole doesn't work for us. That's not how our culture is built.
1: I love it. And I know pretty much everyone who's listening to this appreciates that (laughs) because when you open the door to something like this, you want to know that you're at the right place and that the company can do the right thing. So. With Absolutely. that, I, I want to thank you. This is really Thanks great. for having me. I, I enjoyed it. Yeah. I, uh, you know, if you guys want to get a hold of uh, Brian, Brian, did kind of, we'll, we'll put the links all into the great. show notes. Great. And, uh, you are on LinkedIn. I can I, find I you on LinkedIn. I'm though. on LinkedIn. All right. You I'm,
0: probably did the magic where like everybody does and put I and Brian and Y and Lyle, Okay. But, uh, well, yeah, I, I won't hold it against <laughs> you. It's been happening for 44 years. All right. Well, we're so. going to
1: make sure that everyone has your LinkedIn link in Looking our show notes. To yeah. And thank you guys. Thank you for tuning in to yes. the oil and gas pitch podcast, Spock automation. Thank you. Thank you, Warren. Appreciate it. Yeah. Enjoyed it, buddy.
0: Check us out next week for another witty and sometimes spicy episode of the Oil & Gas Pitch Podcast, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. Learn more at OGGN.com.